Hello everybody, welcome to All Founders Podcast. I'm Christian Cunningham. Today we have a very, very interesting subject that certainly I am very interested in, and I hope you are. Uh, we have a special guest who is part of the All Founders Stable. He's very incognito. He's known as Mr. Capital. Uh, there's a very good reason he has to be incognito, uh, and we actually can't show his face or name like the old dentist ads. So today we're going to call him Cap. Welcome, Cap. How are you today? Very well, mate. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Cap, Captain America. Uh, mate, very good to have you. Now, today we're going to cover a topic that I'm very interested in, and that is in the world of capital raising. Now, to me, from the outside, I've dealt with a, a little bit of it, but not a whole lot. It can be a little bit murky and a little bit hard to navigate. Just for some bona fides, without giving too much away, yep. tell us a little bit about your background in this industry. So I started out of uni, I started my career in investment banking. So working from the big US bulge bracket investment banks, advising on M&A deals, IPOs, capital raisings, etc. But that was mainly for the big end of town. Yep. Um, that after was, that, that was in Australia or that was that was else? That was in Australia and then overseas okay. for a period of time. Yep. Um, and then after that, I migrated into the world of investing. So both um, private equity working for high net wealth families and um, institutional capital, and as well as now working in, in public markets, so investing in, in the stock market, um, global stock markets, looking at just great companies, um, IPOs, blocks, placements, just a lot of the capital raising. So anything, you sort of, one point or another, you would have seen everything for to from startups and IPOs right through to big stock stock investments. Around, That's right, around Ac- across industries as well. Across and you've got 10 Bloomberg ter- terminals set up in front of you. A couple of screens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Yep. No, look, this is very interesting to me. Now, the parts of that, I mean, we'll probably spend the next two days talking about the global stuff. What I think is really specific, the, the point of today was there's a lot of businesses, be they in Australia or be they in a- throughout Asia and our, our Asian neighbours, who are looking to raise money in different ways. So they can either go to a bank, they can go to family, they can put their own money in, uh, and there's other options. But then of course there's funds that actually invest in businesses under set, different sets of terms to grow. Yep. Now, in your last, let's say five years, how much of that have you been involved in? A lot of it, it's still, so if you're looking at stock market these days, is funding tech startups all the way through to businesses with five to $10 million turnover. Yep. Um, I think the stock market, particularly in Australia, has become a lot more dynamic and, and a lot of the bigger companies have gotten too big, slow growth, etc. There's a lot of money that's now shifting to look at the smaller, high growth ideas, which yep. is also at the smaller end of town. But then coupled with that, there's a lot of private capital that's out there, both that sits in institutional hands, so a lot of these big super funds are backing um, private equity firms to invest in emerging companies. So this would be super fund that would sit there with all this public money. Aussie super, that's got $100 billion. They'll go to a, a capital they'll fund. Go, they'll go back a fund that's got, they'll give them $100 million and say, go invest in 20 different companies. What kind of return are they looking for? Uh, it depends on the, it depends on, so a, a lot of it comes down the lens of risk versus reward. If you think that an idea can make a five times return, 10 times return, um, you're willing to take a lot higher risk with an idea yep. of that yep. versus if there's another idea which may be generating five to 10% return a year, yep. that's also okay, but you've got to make sure like in that instance, the chances of you losing your money 
have to be a lot lower. Very, very low. Yeah. So the, the return comes down to what kind of investment are you looking to make yep. and how much risk are you accepting for that? Return. Okay, we're gonna get you off the fence any yep. second now, okay? Yep. Um, <laughs> so you worked in funds, you've seen yep. private, you've seen public, you've seen international, you've seen everything. So let's say that I'm a business in Australia and I'm doing $5 million turnover and the banks are comfortable lending me money, so everything's good. Mm-hmm. I keep doing that, I get to the point of 20 or $30 million turnover, I've grown, I've got headcount, I've got a product, everything's going well, but then the banks say, we're no longer comfortable with this risk, or I want to accelerate from 30 to 300. Yep. How do I, what's my first step when I'm in business to say, I need to raise some capital, maybe not at the banks, but I want to go to some of these funds, some of these markets. Where do I start? Off the fence, so just a couple of examples. So, it's a, so the examples, that you, the two that you said, if it's a certain business that wants to get a certain size, like a $5 million business that wants to get to 20 million, versus a $20 million business that wants to get to 300, the first thing, you need to be very clear about what your objectives are. Okay. Because you are, you're, you're doing a couple of things when you're raising money, you're selling, your existing business yep, and whatever's good in your existing business. It could be the people, the products, the services. What, what, why do you have a great value proposition today? Yep. But then you also have to be selling your vision. And like, where are you gonna take this business? So if the money, the money that we're talking about here is really growth capital, Yep. rather than the founder looking to sell out of the business, yep. which is a different So we'll talk about that in a minute. So growth capital. Growth capital, again, it comes down to how big are your ambitions? Yep. Over what time period do you hope to execute this plan on? Yep. Um, and how well baked is the plan from going to A to B? So the first step has to be, you have to know very clearly where do you want to take this business and how are you going to do it? Because you can't sit in front of anyone and ask them for five, $1 million, $5 million, $10 million, $100 million check without a well-baked plan. Okay, so give me this. Let's say I walk in front of uh, Cap uh, at his fund and I say, I would like to raise $10 million over $30 million business. Yeah. What's the first question you ask me? What do you do today? Okay, so- If you've walked into the office, I honestly would not have done any work. I maybe would have Googled the website and I maybe would have Googled you out of politeness. So I know who you are. What well, thank done, you. Right? And, and just give me a little bit of context so we can have a little bit of small talk. Yep. But I would purposefully not go into any of these meetings having any preconceived ideas. That's good. About the business, the idea. I may know something about the industry. So yep. if I've invested in the industry before in some yep. shape or form, yep. you'd know something. And then you'd back yourself that pretty quickly in five seconds, I'd have some sort of framework of how the industry should work. Okay. Right. So let's say you have an idea of how the industry works. Let's say yeah. it's widget manufacturing. You've yeah. invested in widget manufacturing. I walk in asking for 10 against a $30 million current turnover or more. Um, what, what's the first thing you look for? Is it the, the person you're talking to, confidence in them? Is it their knowledge? Is it the balance sheet? What, what's the first the, thing you look at? The, the first thing is how big is the idea? Because I'm walking in there thinking, I'm trying to put it into a bucket. Yep. Is this a 5% return? Well, like how we started yep. this Is it a 5% return type business yep. or is this going to be a 10-bagger? Yep. Right? And then based on the ask, 
based on how I perceive the risk of the industry, like with preconceived ideas, right? Of course, of course, you bring that. Yeah, I'd I'd place it in a certain bucket, and then based on what you're telling me, your idea is. We don't have to go into the detail. I don't really need to know what the balance sheet looks like. Yeah, I just need to know how big is your vision. Yeah, so I can define. And what do you base it on? And what do you? And what am I base? And part of it, like. You have guys that are great salesmen that come in and talk to you and you can get a little bit overwhelmed by how great their pitch is in terms of their charismatic. Yes. Um, it's a big idea that can sell the addressable market, etc. But that doesn't necessarily make a great idea. Like some of the best ideas that you back are just really, really smart guys who may not be able to communicate that well, yeah. but have confidence in what they've done can... can um, demonstrate that they really know what they're talking about because their attention to detail is fantastic. Yep. They really understand how their business works. Et so do you ever sit, when you put in a bucket, yep. let's say it goes into the $50 million turnover bucket or the $30 million, you know, the, the five times yep. returning bucket, Do you? is there like then a click, click, click set of criteria that you apply to that bucket? It, it's not, it would not be as, it's not as well-defined as that. Yep. But if it's a, a $30 million business that wants 10 million bucks, yep. I really want to understand why do you need that much money? You must have a pretty big idea. Yeah. If you don't have a really big idea, uh, maybe ten million is probably the not the right, is not the right number that you should yep. be looking. So do you raise. go back with feedback to these people to say you once know, it's all said and done, yep. you yep. either go back to them directly if you feel like you've got you've built that rapport and you don't necessarily get the chance within a one hour sure. meeting. Sure. But you, you're going back through the person that showed them in. So yeah. whoever, the advisor, the broker, et cetera, that's brought the idea and you'll pass on this feedback. Because it, 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 you give the feedback for a couple of reasons. One, you want to, it's a two-way street when you're having these discussions mm. with people that are looking for money. Mm. You're getting something out. As an investor, you're getting something out of it. You're learning about their Intel. business. Yep. How, what's going on in the industry, yep. et cetera. Um, and so you have to respect that and say, well, this is how I think about your business as well. This is kind of how, where it's, not everyone, I think, gives that feedback or yep. people may sugarcoat it. And it's, people are busy too. Right. Yeah. Um, I know some people that take the attitude that there's never a bad idea. Like, I'll never tell you your idea is bad. There's just, what's, there's only downside for me to be honest, right. right? So. And how, I mean, the hubris attached to that is, you know, is a bit, is very high when you say to be, well, guess what, mate? Yeah. I'll show you, it's a great idea. Yeah. So they bring you the, a broker or however they get to you, they get to you, they bring it. Do you yeah. vet anything before it gets to you? How do you know what so, meetings to take and what not? So certain people will have vetting criteria based on like, we will not, we will only write checks of a certain size. Either we will only write checks of a million to five, as an example, a million to five, or some other guys may just say, we only write checks of 50 plus. Yep. Right. So that will be an but initial that's segmenting funnel. their business. That's, that's segment. Yep. And then also the broker should know that. So the funnel should be the broker kind of should know the broker or the advisor should know the pool of capital that the business should be targeting so a lot of that should self-select yeah now some people just will look at everything family offices will probably look at everything because they can go they can invest in apple google etc all the way down to billy blogs yeah my son's got a great idea his mates they want to go into business here's some money because you know high net wealth they can they've got the ability anything if it's worth punting 50 grand if they think they can get 100 times return absolutely yeah yeah, plus also they may just like the individual people and say you've got a great idea this one might not work but i want to be around the hoop for when you do have a great idea okay and that's interesting we're going to park that part yeah 
it gets to you assuming it's met you know the, it's gone the wide a criteria there's a, yep. there's a there's a filter it gets to you you look at it when you look at a pitch how yep. much of it is charisma versus preparation versus a sexy pitch deck so um you need to have all of that in some shape or form the charisma is probably the the lowest ranking on that i think the the most important thing is how good is your idea yep the second thing well it goes hand in hand how good is your existing business and then how good is your idea or where you want to take this business which is the idea can be the greatest thing ever like we want to make the next google all the way through to we want to double our sales force because we've got these these products coming down the pipeline we need people to sell we need money we need working capital to go and fund that etc um that all is very important um you'll then form a view around the likelihood of that happening and then this goes to the risk reward part. If you're telling me that you're going to triple your business, okay, that's all great. But am I going? Am I as an investor still going to win if you only double your business, yes. or if you only grow the business by fifty percent? Am yes. I still going to win? If the answer is yeah, yes. If your margin of safety is wide, that you can you can do that. Um, the, the range of outcomes is very favourable. Yeah. It, the, the it becomes a lot more of a compelling opportunity. There's other than elements to it which become very important, like. Who's in control of it? If you go through that funnel and you, the initial funnel of, is this a good idea? Yep. Do I think the industry is sensible? Do I think that um, there's enough margin of safety and how we're going to swing? Competitors, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yep. You look at things then like, I will then go back and look at all well, valuation, which you don't necessarily know on day one. Like what's the valuation that someone's going to yep. um, accept new capital yep. with? So that may not come in the first discussion. Yeah. But you'll go away and have a think about like at what kind of valuation do I think this is a sensible business to back? Yeah. Um, if that then also makes sense, then you're going a layer deeper to understand. All right, so who's holding the zoo within the business? Who are the key decision makers? So the first thing is, am I happy with the term, or what yeah. terms am I comfortable with investing? Right. You need. You'll, you'll you have will an make idea. That decision. Of, you'll yep. have an idea of it because you, that comes in negotiation. You ballpark it pretty quickly. You'll, you'll have to ballpark it pretty quickly. Then you put a little bit of a forensic lens on who's in the business, who's got shareholding. Yeah, that's when you start getting a little bit more interesting, and you go that next level of detail down. So what gives you an alarm bell if if, if you look at this business and they and they're thirty million looking for ten million, and then you look at then you say, I'm willing to, you go, oh, I'm willing to invest this much at this risk profile. Yeah. Then you look at the ownership. What makes you nervous when you look at the ownership structure of a business? If there's been turnover in the ownership, in the capital structure table, like who's owned it and then why have people sold over time? Yeah. Um, well, okay. Flipping it around, what do you really like? You like a founder that's never sold out, that's never cashed out. Yeah. Um, that doesn't want to cash out, that only wants to take in new money because he's got this great idea and one, he needs a little bit of help to take it that, to that next level, but he's not, he, he's, he's like next on the line he's the whole he's, way. He's all in. And his exit event isn't just this one great idea that he's got that he's trying to raise money for. He's got a 20 year vision for where he can see it. And his exit business. is your exit. His exit might not be ours. Like his exit may be, I'm never exiting. Right, which is then like that's the kind of guy. So then you view it as a micro business and say this is a three-year investment, of which we hope to realise five times our in. Right, and that you're going into every investment having a thesis, like having an idea of why are you backing this idea? Is because I think sales only go from X to Y. Yeah. 
um, you're also then coming in within what time frame would I look to sell? Yeah. Now you you it's one of those it's one of those things that you know whatever answer you put on the table on day one is going to be wrong. Yes. Right. <laughs> but you're just trying to ballpark and get as close yeah. as you can. Is it a three year deal? Is it a five year deal? Is it a ten year deal? Right. So when it comes to the bottom line, you've you've got it meets the criteria. You've yeah. you've got a ballpark of what level of risk you want to take in an investment. You've looked at the ownership. You're pretty comfortable with the ownership. What's next? Um, if it ticks all the box, and then you obviously, as part of that, you're also spending a lot of time looking at the financials. How does this business make money, etc. Mm. So you've got the high level, so the way that I go, you've got the high level pitch, you're understanding the idea, you've kind of got an idea roughly how much money you can make from it. Yep. Um, you then go, next level, and am I getting to bed with the right kind of people? Because they're gating issues. If the idea is not great, you're out. If the people you're getting into bed with aren't great, you're out. Yep. Right. Then the next level of detail you're looking at is how do the numbers actually work, right? Because you can have an idea of how a business works, but then all of a sudden, they're in the adventure sport industry as an example, yep. and like the biggest expense that these guys have is like insurance. Yes. Right. And but intuitively, you wouldn't think that that's the case, yes. but that may be the case. Yep. Or you've got a franchisee that turns out like it's a great business, but then West, Westfield's bending them over on the rent and they're paying like 25% of their revenues just go to rent. Yes. The idea sounds great. They're selling the best burrito out there, whatever it might be. But some of these hurdles are insurmountable. Yeah, right. And you yep. just, like, and how do they ever get over that? You're just not sure. So understanding the numbers is the next part. And then you'd be... I'd be in the lab going through an Excel modeling the business. Like, Gee, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Well, how, <laughs> how, many, how many sandwiches do these guys sell a day? What price? Like, you'd be doing all that trying to really understand how the business works yep. and see how you can go on and get tripped up. And for, in that initial um, screen of the financials, like you'll, you'll be relying on the historical financials that you'd probably get from the company. Yep. And so one suggestion I'd have to your listeners is that having a good, being well prepared to understand that everyone that's looking, that's going to give you money, who sits in the finance world, is wedded to the numbers. They're going to be all over the numbers. At the end of the day, you can be as charismatic as you like, pitch deck that you like. It all comes down to the numbers. And so your numbers have to be squeaky clean when you're handing them over to someone to do their due diligence. You give us a messy set of numbers, that's that's a big red flag. You just don't know how the accounts are working. Yeah. You, well, really you just know. assume that they don't work and therefore it's not worth the it's risk. Too if, hard, if, right? if they can't get this right, then how the hell can we invest How in the this? hell can they get this? We're yeah. getting them 10 million yeah. marks to execute that. They can't tell us how much. So what about the case that they're good at what they do, but they're horrible at their figures, but the money is there? Like you guys are smart. You can look at these things and go, actually, you know what? They just can't handle their finances. So you could appoint a little shadow CFO and help them yeah. get their business so, so, right. So for a lot of guys that, that manage this pool of capital, so this kind of growth investing pool of capital, yeah. That's actually what they say their expertise is. Is like, you've got great ideas, you've got great concepts, you've got a great business, mm. but your numbers are a bit wonky, but it's fixable. We'll come in and help you manage that and fix it. Mm. So then your back end, so the, the way your middle office, the way that things get processed in your corporate, yep. all works great. And then you can then start scaling this thing up really, really quickly. With confidence. With confidence. Yeah, so yeah. A, a great example would be, um, you've got a payroll department that you need to add. For every new 20 employees that you add, mm. 
to your team, you've got to add one payroll person, yep. right? That, I mean, that is not a scalable business because your, your costs are going to increase yes. with your revenues, yes. right? In some shape or form. Yes. Some of these guys that have um, the back the growth, that do growth investing, growth capital, they'd go, well, you should go get this IT system, this account payable system. Yep. We'll help you integrate it because yep. we've integrated in 10 of our other portfolio companies. Yep. We can then all of a sudden, you need three payroll people in total that can just manage this whole thing. Yep. And then, then you start flying. So it depends um, on what you need, how you need it, how bad or how good or how bad the shape of your core business is in today before, or how sophisticated, I should say not good or bad, but how sophisticated your core business is today um, will attract different people. So it, from with my hat on, something like, because we don't have the expertise in helping people with that. Yes. We just want the idea to come to us that's fully baked and ready to go. Which is how rare. You don't see it that often, but when you do, that's when you jump, Yeah. right? Versus there's another pool of capital that says, great idea, great people, systems and stuff need some help. Horribly run business. Right? <laughs> we'll come in and fix it. We'll yeah, come in okay. and help them fix it. Allow them to concentrate on their core, selling the widgets, whatever And just back be. them up. We'll, we'll help them with the, the systems. So is that, I mean, is this commonplace within... It's, a lot of these businesses, like they're family owned, around this size, they're family owned, or someone's come up, they're a young entrepreneur that's come up with a great idea, and the business has just grown so fast. The middle office, the systems and process are just keeping up. And it's been all good and well because the business is flying. Yes. So and they've got a great idea. They've got enough idea. buffer in there. Yeah, that it doesn't enough, matter. Exactly, right? And But um, when you financial analysts get your, hack, your hooks into it, we're trying to you work. start to tighten it down and yeah. go, well, if we're going to get X return, yeah. all this fluff and fat and inefficiency has got to go. Yeah, well, that, that's... A lot of people with that pool of capital look at it that way. There'll be another pool of capital, which is more the venture investing, yeah. um, that would say, you can do what you want there. We're just backing this idea. And we think this idea is going to go through the moon. That's why you see all these tech startups and stuff. Yeah. Their overhead, their corporate overhead is actually very, very high because someone's got to pay for the pool room, the beers <laughs> in the fridge, right? the work at home. The helicopter yeah, trips. All that stuff yeah, yeah. needs to be... But the guys that back that idea venture capital money is saying like we want a 20 bagger so it doesn't matter if you're spending 20 bagger meaning 20 times 20 return. times returns yes. um it doesn't matter if you're spending 10 million on your corporate overhead or five this is a 200 million dollar business this is, and we don't this is a billion dollar yeah, idea yeah, 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 right yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is rounding error versus <laughs> if you're in more of a yeah. traditional industry like a services industry a people business or a manufacturing business then you're really refining perfection there's a lot of value that you can generate from yeah. that by just doing things a little bit better or improving some of the the simple systems and processes. Or supplier agreements or whatever it might be. Right, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. You can, like, a, a business that makes five million profit, if you can take a million bucks of cost out of the business, there's 20% increase in profits. Right? All right, so this is your finance hat. I can see you've just put your finance right. hat on. So. You know, let's say the, the, the board of a business, privately owned business is coming to you. You've got a, a CEO who's really a founder. You've got a CFO. You've got another accountant on their board. You've got mm. a legal person. Maybe you've got a HR person and maybe some other uh, external investors. When you look at that relationship, are you more likely to gravitate to talking to the charismatic CEO or are you more likely to gravitate talking to the number crunching CFO? So the answer is you want to talk to both, but there's a time and a place. What about you? You, you want to talk to both. because Your got... instinct is that... Because I need to know the idea and I need to know who's, who's out there selling yep. the products and service, which is the guy at the front, yep. right? And so you need to, 
you need to believe that the odds. That's what we when we start the, the number one thing is how big's the idea? Yes. Where do I think this can go? Which is the number one guy. You're backing him to execute his vision, but then you need the guy behind the guy, i.e., the CFO or the girl or the girl. Sorry, okay. the girl behind the guy or girl, um, to have their to be have their real to control. Not the, control. No, 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 you're right. To limit the lunacy of correct, the CEO. Correct, correct, right. And I've known did. a few CEOs that just, if they do not have that sort of strong CFO or COO behind them, yep. just, just pulling on the rein a little bit saying, okay, calm down. That's yep. a little too far. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of business fall over because of that, right? Um, and I can tell you, you can't give a business a $10 million check unless you know there's someone in the... In, An adult in, in the room. Exactly. <laughs> it's just not going to in this widget business, go and spend that 10 million on a pool room and allow all the, their employees- Or to, to go and take on more work than they can deliver. Absolutely. Or to go and, you know, try and disrupt with a low price strategy and, and really try and crack their competitor. Like some of that risky, which might be sound if executed properly, but the decision-making, there must be a decision-making process. Absolutely. You see that, you see that at um, the small end of town to the big end of town. Like the, those big strategy decisions around do we start going for price over volume it, it trips like multi-billion dollar businesses up yep. so of course it's going to trip up someone that's trying to looking for growth capital to try to gain market share because yes. they think they've got a good idea but one wrong year it can, can undo a decade of work absolutely yeah right and particularly um if you're accepting third-party capital you're accepting money from a fund or from a high net worth individual, you're introducing new business partners into your business who you are then become accountable to. I reckon that's what stops a lot of private businesses that are good yeah. getting external capital, third party capital, as and, you say, because they don't want that level of accountability. Yeah. And, and and to be honest with you, it should. It should. Because you need to, as a founder or a CEO, you need to appreciate that what your strengths and weaknesses are. And one of your weaknesses may be, like you're a very stubborn person, you've had so much success yeah. in your own headstrong, career. Headstrong, headstrong. right? That um, maybe you can't work well with others. Maybe you need to be the key decision maker at all times. Yeah. And that's okay. Yes. Um, but knowing that before you go and accept third party capital from guys that are gonna be, if you make one wrong decision, they're gonna be all over you, can really make, can really disrupt your enjoyment for what you do. Plus the stuff that makes you good. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? So yeah, yeah. knowing like that that's the risk of taking on a business partner, I think is very important. Okay, so you mentioned mm. third-party capital. Generally speaking, and I, don't, I, don't, I know we could have 50 examples of this across different buckets, as you, as you put it earlier. What does an owner or a, or a board or a shareholding give up to gain the growth capital that we're talking about? So it's, it depends on, um, it depends on the type of capital that you're accepting. So you've got your bank, which yes. is they're lending you the money. They're just expect, expecting to get a certain return back. There's then different financial instruments that you can put in place that give the third party investor different levels of protection. Yep. So the closest thing to bank financing is just getting a loan from a third party. Yep. Right, from a non-bank lender. From a non-bank lender, yep. et cetera. And a lot of that would look similar to a bank. I think that's exploding here in Australia right now. Um, no doubt, right? Because banks aren't really doing as much lending. Yeah. You as an investor can't really get that yield going through traditional means yourself. You're willing to skip yep. the bank and go direct. 
And, and parking your money anywhere right now, you're getting 0%, so what's the point? So you gotta find a home for it somewhere. Um, all the way through to common equity, where someone just goes and wants to invest alongside the founder, right? But then that, because- So Cap comes to me, to my business and says, I talk to you at a barbecue and I say, oh, we need a million bucks. You go, I've got a million bucks. I'll come in and take X percentage on that valuation. Yeah, correct. What's, correct. What, what, what else? What are your other financial instruments? So there's all the way in between, which is like having um, preferred shares, which looks more like part of its debt, the part of its equity. Yeah. So I, with preferred shares or a convertible note, whatever it may be, you may get a fixed return every year. Yep. Like the convertible note may just say, I get 10% um, interest from you each year. Yep. Um, but then my $1 million investment can convert into equity if we hurt, hit certain thresholds. Yeah, okay. So if, if the, so, you put a million bucks in on the agreement that you get ten percent return yeah. in interest yeah. every year, but then there's an option later to tip it over into equity. Yeah, so if that's the business what a convertible does, the note business is. plan. So yeah. I'll get a share. I've got downside, what they call downside protection. Yeah. Right. That I I I know I'm going to get ten percent a year as long as the business doesn't blow up. The yeah. business plan that you're trying to move to may not work, but that's okay for me because I'll still get my 10%. And you're comfortable that your million dollars will be protected. And I'll get that back at the end of yep. the period that I've lent you the money. Yep. Yep. But then if your business plan really does work, I get to participate that in for that as well. Sounds like a pretty good deal to the investor. And that's when the investor has the leverage. If you desperately need money, the investor has the leverage. They can dictate those terms. What about on the other yeah. side of the fence? If I have a wonderful business that's doing great Yep. and I want to raise capital, but... I will probably get there anyway in five years if I don't raise the capital, but I think I want to get there this year because we're on fire. How do I make sure I get a good deal? You'll you'll know you'll know through the process. It's all demand supply driven, yes. right? Yes. Like if your idea is great or whatever, you'll know it by based on the level of interest. So when you've got fifty funds clamoring at your door trying to get involved. If people are coming to you, right? How do I pick between obviously it depends on who suits me, what type of investor, individual yep. connection, but how do I make sure that I don't give up more than I have to to get what I need? So, so I, there's a, diff, there's a couple of different ways that you can look at that. Like one of the is just purely based on the terms in which you're accepting the new money, yep. right? Simple example, when you go buy a house, you go a mortgage broker or yep. you go shop around yourself, CBA, ANZ, NAB, HSBC, whatever it may be, you'll just go find the, the lowest rate, um, 3%. For the so best period of time. For the best period with. of time. Yep. One of them d- different, like they'll give me an everyday savings account, there'll be an offset account, yep. blah, blah, blah. You'll go through that and find. And then that's the most attractive part of capital for you. But then even with that, um, when you're buying a house, there's a soft element to it as well. Well, do I know who the lender is? Have I done? Have I got a second home loan with them? Do I want to go and buy an investment property as well? Mm-hmm. Have they told me they'll help me out with mm-hmm. that stuff mm-hmm. as well? Versus this other bank that just I won't get any of that stuff. Yep. So there's value to a lot of that soft stuff yep. as well. It's the same here when a business is looking at getting third-party capital. Mm-hmm. You can just get it from the best terms that you can get on paper terms. On paper terms. Yep. But there's a long-term relationship that you can build with a lot of these guys. So will they be, if, you, if you've got an idea that's a, a multi-horizon idea, yep. that you may need to raise more money down the track if this goes really well. Or really badly. Or really Or badly. short-term pain, yep. Right? You need to make sure, well, two, there are two, two different issues. So we'll talk, if it goes really, really well, will these guys be there to, to lend me more money 
later on growing. to keep growing? Yep. Or are they tapping out after it gets to 20 million bucks, whatever and it might I'm be? And I've got to go somewhere else. And then I've got to go somewhere else. Because people have different investment of course. mandates, of course. right? Of course. Um, they may only be able to have an investment for three years. Some other guys can have an investment into perpetuity. Yep. Um, versus to your point, like if it doesn't go wrong, are they going to be there to hold my hand and help me through it? Or are they going to be trying to screw me and trying to take the business off me because they've got those rights That's right. in the agreements that we put in place? So a lot of that comes down to the soft stuff. There's a whole bunch of other soft stuff that, that people should consider. Like, is this a strategic investor that can help me grow my business? So if I partner with a lot of these funds specialize in particular industries yes. or sectors that they have a lot of contacts, they can help do introductions for you for new customers clients, etc. they will then themselves have a portfolio of companies that they invest in. Yep. Maybe if you've got a great idea, maybe they can automatically go and say, well, our nine other portfolio companies should adopt that one idea. And so you can sell it immediately into immediately, those nine. Right? And it's in their interest to do that. Absolutely. Everyone benefits from it. But you if make it's all their just portfolio. money. If it's just money, you're not going to get all of that. So there's more considerations than just the terms in which you're laying. And I'd say for the businesses that we're talking about, um, that all founders is looking to deal with. I think that there's more value in the soft stuff than there is in just trying to get, you know, again, using the homeowner's example, trying to lend, trying to borrow at 3% versus 3.05%. Yeah, but with all the customer service and support a lot more that comes benefit, with it. benefit, soft yep. stuff that yep. comes with it, right? And I think there's a lot more value on that soft stuff than what that 0.05% interest rate may, you may be paying away for. But you've got to value it, right? Yep. There's a cost and a benefit to all these things. So we'll outline over the next few months what some of the uh, capital raising support mechanisms that all founders will offer. So that's mm. that's great. Um, my question to you is that we get down really to the, the bottom, uh, the, the hard bottom dollar. If someone's putting their, they're looking to raise capital, the banks either aren't interested or the, the terms aren't advisable, and they're going to market. So you're saying find a broker, find someone who knows what they're doing, like what we do, yep. um, and bring them to two or three funds that might fit their profile. Two, know where their financials are. Yep. Absolutely be able to explain top to bottom, uh, roof tiling to floor tiling, what their business does. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid to explain what they think their fears and challenges are. Do you suggest that they're really open about what their fears and challenges are? You, ha you have to know that. I mean, people want to ask you a question, right? Everyone, in every meeting, people ask, like, what keeps you up at night? It's the generic... But the instinct for a lot of people is to gloss over no, or you to... No, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to understand, you're dealing with relatively smart people that look at this stuff day in and day out. That's yep. their, their business is to look at assessing ideas. Yep. So if you're not open and transparent about it, at least early on... They'll work it out themselves. And they'll um, instantly take a defensive position. And they'll like, what else are you hiding? Yep. Type thing. Like yep. if I if I if the Aussie housing market, everyone looks at the macro factors and that's rolling over. But then you're a builder and you're telling me everything's great. Rah rah rah, you got a pipeline for the next five years. I mean You got a question mark on yeah, that. Yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. There's a big red flag. And then maybe there's a great reason for it because yep. they're building so they've got a great contract with the defense department that yep. allows them to build through the cycle. But then explaining that and how you're different to the conventional... Not just, we're great, mate. Everything's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Okay, so don't be afraid of your fears. You can't be. 
I, I personally have always been like I turn into that skid and I say, mm. well, these are this is what I'm afraid of. This is why I'm here. Part yep. of the reason I'm here is because of my fear that I've got a great idea, but I'm going to run out of money. And if I run out of money, this great idea is going to burn and someone's going to steal it off me. Yeah. Right? So I need this capital. Here's the plan. Yep. And this is the history that behind it. So they need to know their business. They need to know why they want to raise the money. It needs to be crystal clear. Yep. Now that may change in conversation with someone like you. They might say, this is why I want to raise it. And you say, actually that you've also haven't thought about this, but at the very start, they have to have the good intention of saying, this is why I want to raise the money. They have to have their financials in order. They have to have their internal relationships in order, like their shareholding structure in order. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of people you count out based on their, a certain structure that looks too messy. Yep. What about the actual physical pitch deck? They pull out their their uh, software or their or their PowerPoint and they put together their pitch deck. How detailed? How many pages? How much content? What do you need to see? It's a, there's no hard and fast rule. You, I mean, you there is like convention that you'd see in a deck around. Here's the market size. This is our market. So top down, market size, our current market share. This yep. is where we hope to go. So that's one way to look at a business is the top down approach. The other way will be the bottom up, which is then when you get into the financial modeling, how many widgets are they actually selling? Yep. What's, What's the, the unit cost per widget? Yep. Per, yep. You're looking at, so you're looking at it both ways. And in, in a deck, you'd probably see an element of both. Um, the really good meetings that you have you're not really going through the deck in any great detail. To be honest with you, you need to have it and it needs to be a very well-prepared document that you can rely upon and yep. that, that, the, that you know that others will come back and rely upon. Yep. So it needs to be a, 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 a comprehensive piece of work. But the best meetings that you have aren't with people that um, can just sell you a great idea through the pitch. It's they've got they know their idea through and through. They can talk about it for days on end. Yep. They're, yep. Pas- they're clearly passionate yep. about it. Um, and they know how big the opportunity is. Now, a comment that you made like, does the idea change over time? The idea should be really like, here's my five year vision for mm. it. That vision shouldn't really change. Like, if you're in an industry, if you're an existing business that's within a certain industry, yep. your vision shouldn't really change. The pathway to get there may be different. Yep. There may be a better way You've maybe got to take you a might detour. Get there faster or slower, or yeah. exactly. Yeah. But where the ultimate end goal shouldn't shouldn't really change. Mm. And if if that is a moving target in your mind, you haven't really defined the goal well enough. So the goal could be something as generic as we want to be the best servicing business in this industry based on these five softy criteria right yep. that we've got but that's your end goal and you go to work every day trying yep. to execute that yep. and then you're coming just to look for more money because you want to keep executing on that one goal you're on track you're on track you just want to do it faster better or you want to get this new whiz bang piece of kit that's going to help you do that or sell another product yep. but it's not it's not something you're not going to what they call pivot to change what that big idea is <laughs> after someone's giving you money. It doesn't end well. Right, does, that's a different kind of, you know, that's, that's really in startup land, etc. where you're just throwing ideas against walls. If you've got an existing business that's looking to grow an existing business, yes. you, you have you a pathway. Be, you should, you should be, be relatively well-defined. Okay, I'm gonna wind this up with you, yep. cap. So I am tomorrow going and looking for capital from the market 
the banks are either unfavorable or I just don't, I need someone who's gonna be a bit of a partner and give me some assistance beyond the money. I need to have my idea, my business, my financials totally rock solid in my head. Yep. I need to have a proposal put together that is really clear that I can stand behind that will stand on its own two feet if I'm in the room or not. Yep. Yeah. What else? Is that it? You need to have trusted advisors with you that can help you from the business owner's perspective, they can help you navigate yep. the pools of capital yep. that are out there. Um, and I think the last thing is generic thing to say, but you need to have an open mind about it. Cause I think you can, you can go into all this with a preconceived idea of this is how much money we want to raise. These are the kind of people that we want to get it from, but that can change yep. very, very quickly based on the demand and supply, based on how, how people perceive the quality of your business and the idea, yep. etc. I think any business typically can find the money that they want eventually. It's the shape or form that it comes and in. And the terms in which they, yeah, that they can, have to accept. can be very different. And um, to your point, if you have a really good idea, how do you know you don't get bent up? You'll know that pretty quickly through the process. And so understanding where you sit in who's got the leverage in the negotiation, I think is very important. Have, that's why the advisor becomes key right so just a final one if they ask you for 80 percent of your business for one thousand dollars it's probably not a deal you'd take i mean if the business isn't going to be around tomorrow (laughs) that's then a good deal for you right but you offer a hundred percent for 1200 off you go yeah exactly but if you've got a business that's around for five years then no no if you've got a business sorry i should say a business plan that's around that you got one execute for five years then then probably not mr capital thank you very much for your time today cap we'll call you cap um, he's incognito for very good reason like I say like the old dentist from the 80s um, we'll be bringing some ideas on some uh, how this will work over the next 12 months which Cap here will be involved in uh, in a very meaningful way if you've got any questions please you can direct them at me anytime thank you for coming in today it's an anytime. absolute pleasure uh, back on a flight somewhere today I'm not sure where who knows you know very incognito um, and look forward to speaking to you again later in the Thanks, year man. happy to help